welcome to Out of the Blue from Mason Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that Charlemagne and Neil Pert would both listen to if they were still alive. I am Jared Stormer of MazenBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of MazenBrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you noble forest ape. How have you been, brother? It has been a minute. I am good, man. You know, we had some time off, enjoyed the holidays with our families, and a lot of Michigan, you know, news has unfolded in the meantime, so we've got a lot to discuss this evening. Yeah, lots of news. We were supposed to be back with you last week, but there was an insurrection. Didn't quite feel right to be podcasting during the coup, so we uh, we pushed it back another week, and honestly, good thing we did, because now there is, there's a ton to talk about, man. For a while there, it was seeming like, you know, very silent as far as, you know, what was going on with Harbaugh and the future of Michigan. And then all of a sudden the news started coming and uh, much like the Smash Mouth song, uh, they start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> For the longest time, <clears throat> it was so much of hurry up and wait. Like we wanted the news. We were excited for it. Everything's coming at us. And then we had to wait a few weeks. And now all of a sudden this week we get all the news. And like you said, with a great just 90s reference, it won't stop coming now. So we're going to tackle this. And by the time we're done with it, there will probably be six other things that broke at Michigan. Yes, seriously. So we'll start with the most recent thing to happen, and this happened a couple hours before we began uh, recording, and that is Mike Hart, the prodigal son of Michigan, um, the heart and soul of probably you know the second best or the best Michigan team in recent memory in uh, those 2005-2006 teams, is coming back to Michigan as running backs coach. This is big news. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you think about this move. Um, as I texted you earlier, I love this move. This is a culture move. This is, okay, we have an issue internally and we need to address it. We need young blood. We need Mike Hart, a Michigan man, a proven leader, a proven coach who is being moving up the ranks at Indiana. This is a home run hire. I couldn't be happier for him. He's in a perfect position. He's not over his head because of his Michigan ties. Couldn't be better. I think this is a great hire as well. And I like what you said about this being a culture hire. Now, it's also a very good hire. I think Jay Harbaugh was a strong running backs coach and a really good recruiter. I mean, just look at our running backs room right now. But this takes it up a notch. Um, Jay Harbaugh didn't really have any experience with running backs coaches. He had moved around a little bit. And this is definitely going to add something to that room. And it's definitely going to add something to that culture. I can assure you, Mike Hart does not like Michigan State or Ohio State with something that's been, you know, it's been criticized of the program and maybe in the staff. So you get younger, you bring a Michigan guy back that pretty much everyone remembers, except for maybe the kids on the team. But even they should have some idea who Mike Hart is. And yeah, you, you bring back a familiar face that really can coach is on the rise, is going to be a recruiting boon for you. Yeah. And if you look at what he did in the Mac. If you look at what he did at Indiana, he's also putting out 1,000-yard rushers, back-to-back -back Mac play, uh, freshman of the year, Mac player of the year. I mean, he's got guys, Stevie Scott nearly ran for 2,000 yards. This dude can coach. Yeah, Mike Hart, all around, integrity, coaching acumen, he brings it all to Michigan. The most important thing is he just brings that pedigree behind him, even as a player. Like, you're going to walk down the tunnel at Michigan, and you're going to see all the All-Americans there in Schimbeckler Hall, and Mike Hart's plastered on that. His record's there. Everything about Mike Hart is Michigan. And it feels so good to bring a player like this back home because there are a lot of guys that get away. Like, I mean, Nick Sheridan got away, and now he's at Indiana having success. Other players do as well. But to bring Mike Hart home, a guy that can change the culture, bring something to the coaching staff, 
really develop these guys and the spur and what it does for recruiting, man, just this is the best news of the day. I was like just overwhelmingly happy about a coaching assistant coaching hire, a position coach. And like right. I said, we, we cracked beers tonight just to celebrate this. Well, I cracked a beer because I like beer, but also <laughs> because of this. But um, yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. And this is a guy that I think I remember it was when he got hired away for one year at Syracuse. And it became clear that he was a guy that was actually rising through the coaching ranks. At that moment, I think a lot of Michigan fans started to be like, okay, eventually he needs to be on Michigan staff. It's, it's just one of those guys that if this is a coach, he is so Michigan and he bleeds maize and blue to a degree that just not everybody does. I mean, him and Harbaugh probably both very much, you know, in that same vein, or at least Harbaugh used to be. So this is gonna. This is a guy that's gonna bring some fire, and we'll we'll talk about it more when we talk about the other coaches that are being brought on board. The staff is looking much younger next year. This was a great move by Harbaugh. I mean, we're about to get into his situation, but this as the first really big move, official move over his tenure. Now this is outstanding. I mean, just home run so far. Yep, absolutely. And uh, we'll see what it does as far as recruiting. Um, we were already recruiting the position very well, but probably can't hurt. So I'm absolutely stoked about this staff starting to come together. Um, let's let's go into that. Let's talk about the Harbaugh contract situation, which is uh, probably the biggest news since we last spoke. Definitely the biggest news since we last spoke. And it's, um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit offline. There was a lot of impatience about how long it was taking to get done. And the more you look at it, this was their downtime. And I didn't hear one report, credible report of him interviewing for any NFL jobs. I think this was literally Ward Manuel kind of lowballed him. And he was literally thinking, what what is in store for my future? Yeah, I agree. It was his time off to go home, you know, take, take a vacation, relax a little bit and got offered this and really considered what he was going to do. Is this worth it? Is this worth it for my family? Should I move? Should I pursue this? What should I do? And it all took place over a few weeks, and it felt drug out. But, you know, this is a big decision to make. There was a lot going on. It was, and it was really only three weeks, as um, you said, I think it was Angelique pointed that out on Twitter. Like, it's really not that uncommon for these discussions to go on that long. And um, the details of the contract, which have, for the most part, been released, uh, he, it's a massive pay reduction. And, I mean, that had to have been something that he had to think about. I mean, he was one of the highest-paid top four, I think, highest-paid coaches in college football at around seven and a half, eight million. Uh, that's getting cut to a base salary of $4 million in 2021. It will increase to $4.4 million if he makes it all the way to 2025. But really, his contract is incentive-based now. Like, win, and you'll get back up to that number that you were at. Yeah, I mean, just put that in layman's terms for any just normal person. Like, okay, your salary is going to be cut in half, and now it's performance-based. Good luck. Like, that's a, a lot to think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, you're talking about a millionaire. Jim Harbaugh is for sure a millionaire and he's a smart guy. I'm sure his whole family set for a couple generations. But I mean, cutting your salary in half, that's a big deal. And who knows if there were NFL offers out there, if even anyone asked to interview with him, I have no idea about that. But if there were nobody else, if there was nobody else really offering him, and this is kind of what he was looking at, and he was like, well, can I do this? The uh, the incentives are things like win the Big Ten East division, reach the college football playoff. These things will give him big kickbacks. You know, he probably had to do some soul searching. Can we get this program there? So it was a tough decision for him. I wish it would have been made a little bit sooner, 
just because of recruiting. And, you know, we ended up losing a couple guys on defense because of the back and forth and because it would be nice to be really on top of the transfer portal, which we're going to have to hit hard. Absolutely. I mean, in a perfect world, that would have happened, but it played out the way it did. Things that made me feel better about it were some of the player reactions on Twitter, mainly like Cade McNamara and people like that were very excited to have Jim Harbaugh return to Michigan. And McCarthy as well. So, yeah, you know, the the, the kids love playing for him. It did seem for a while there, and I, I mean, I already made my personal opinion pretty clear in previous pods that I think Matt Campbell would have been a great hire. Um, Matt Campbell's got two two guys on the Heisman watch list for next year. So it, it, if you were going to make the move, the time was then. But look, I mean, Michigan and Ward Manuel, they, they want to be loyal to their own. And Harbaugh has done some good things for the university. They wanted to do right by him. But at the same time, they have a job to do themselves. So this contract to me actually makes sense. Do you think this contract is for Harbaugh or is this for Harbaugh and Ward Manuel? So I'm my point is, is if this doesn't work out with Harbaugh, is Manuel also gone? Nope, because he's got a national championship contender in Jawan Howard that will cover for that. So um, you, you may be missed on Harbaugh, but you 100% hit on another major hire. So, yeah, I'd say you split the difference there. However, I, I mean, if this goes real far south, I mean, football rules the day in Ann Arbor still, no matter what anyone says. Yeah, I think so, too. I think it just depends how far south it goes. That was going to be my point to it. Say, hey, you know, you start strong and doesn't work out. It's okay. Look at the basketball team. But if it goes really bad, come on. Football is king no matter what. If we win four games in a full season, I mean, yeah, everyone's going to forget all about basketball season (laughs) until it comes back around again. But, uh, yeah, I still still don't think. I mean, if this Michigan basketball team, and we'll get to that in the second half of the pod, if they are as good as they look to be and they make a deep, deep run, you can cover a lot of warts. But this team's still got to get back on track. And what we saw this year obviously won't be acceptable. And yeah, I mean, just look at the buyouts of this contract. I mean, the the buyouts are much, much lower where I think it's 2 million in the first year. And then it drops by 500,000 each year, or excuse me, 4 million if we fired him in 2021. So it's likely we're we're thinking this is a two year prove it, not a one year prove it, because that's still a pretty big buyout. But then it drops and it keeps dropping. So this is set up in a way that they can get out of this and move on. But like we were saying, you had a really good coach right there from the area that probably would have taken the job and you decided to, to roll with Harbaugh. So now, I mean, you've kind of attached your name to this. You kind, you haven't kind of, you have attached your name to this. So it's got to improve. Yeah. This is as much a financial decision as anything. And you touched on that as early as anybody that the revenue wasn't there this season. You don't have all the season ticket holder money. Had the Maryland game canceled, but you know, could have brought whatever kind of money for the television broadcast I don't know don't know how all the exclusive rights work with that but a lot of money was lost this season so to buy out Harbaugh and fire him and pay him whatever we would have owed him this season would have been a really big boon in the side heading into 2021 so I understand this and this sets up Michigan for better financial longevity I I agree and yeah it makes it a little easier to move on should things go south it is definitely restructuring that is university friendly um And I just hope that Harbaugh has that same fire somewhere still left in him. Um, The vibe that I got from the whole situation was that he's kind of just collecting a paycheck and going through the motions. I hope I'm way off on that, but that's just the vibe that I've gotten from the past couple of years and the lack of intensity uh, from him. So hopefully some of these, uh, these staff changes and, you know, kind of the wake up call of you're not an $8 million a year coach 
um, you know, we'll, we'll bring him back down and bring him back to the Jim Harbaugh of Stanford, you know, where he wanted to to stomp on everybody's throat and had no mercy. Yeah, hopefully so. And one big culture shift that also happened during this time was the one everybody saw coming. Don Brown is no longer with the Michigan football program. He is an Arizona Wildcat now. Yes. So it was kind of maybe the writing on the wall, you know, hindsight being 2020 when he was fired that we probably should have known Harbaugh was coming back and there was maybe a deal in the works. Um, I, I, I kind of look at this as maybe another fall guy. I mean, the way I look at this and uh, Don Brown, you know, finished in the top three total defense in his first three seasons there. I mean, he was one of the best in the country, but went from 25th to 96th. And then you allowed in two games versus Ohio State, 15 touchdowns and 1,100 yards in two years. Um, I mean, you have to fire somebody after that. But, I mean, we already got rid of Pep Hamilton, and then maybe it was Drevno who was, you know, at fault. And we've done all these shakeups, and people have taken the fall. That's how I felt when it initially happened, but it still had to happen. It had to happen. The last two years, Michigan held the lead against Ohio State for two minutes. That's it. Like, what, what lead for two minutes. So there was a drastic drop off and thankfully, I mean, I wish they would have played just for tradition and everything else, but Michigan would have been boat raced this year by Ohio state. I mean, Ryan day said he was going to hang a hundred if motivated. They might have, I mean, probably closer to 75, but it would have been ugly. It would, it would not have been fun. That defense would have been eaten up. Vincent gray being your number one corner would have been destroyed. So yeah. Don Brown got fortunate. Those numbers aren't even higher than they are on this. I mean, it would be saying something like, I don't know, like 1,700 yards allowed in three seasons and like 22 touchdowns or something like that. Yeah, I mean, it would have been ghastly, ghastly numbers. They're already ghastly numbers, but it it, it would have been worse. Do you think that, first of all, I love the Jed Fish hire. I cannot wait to see him get a chance as a head coach. That's been the guy we were all saying, why don't you bring that guy back for years? Um, and now other people did realize what I, I don't know how Harbaugh lost sight of it, that he's a great coach. So I'm excited to see them there. Do you think he can succeed Don Brown? That is in Arizona in a, in a place that's not typically known for stout defense. I think the bar is low enough that he can help them improve. That's yeah. one of the biggest issues. One of the biggest issues. I think the game in a sense has kind of passed him by and he'll have to adapt there. But I think Don Brown is, you know, I think he can bounce back. I'm not going to just take, like, you know, two bad seasons or one really bad season and just, like, throw out his entire resume. So I think he can bounce back, especially when the bar is set much lower. No, you don't You don't get to throw out the revenge tour defense and how stout they were and, you know, how good they actually were for a large, long period of time just because of two bad years. I still think he's got it in him. Um, you better hope that you have some good – defensive line production and some stout corners though because i still yeah. don't know if he's going to change his scheme no he is a he has to have a pass rush that can get home and because he likes to play man-to-man as we all know and those corners will be left out on islands if they if arizona does not have a pass rush good luck yeah I, I don't know that it'll work out much better but like you said the bar is low in arizona so uh before we move on want to uh, introduce our new sponsor home field they're not so new anymore been around for a while i've already started to wear some holes into my hoodie premium college uh, collegiate apparel brand out of indianapolis uh some of the most incredibly comfortable michigan clothing that i've ever worn officially licensed so go through their large large stock of older and newer designs you can browse you can really customize and if you're like me you don't want to sacrifice comfort when you're looking good and luckily this is some of the most comfortable apparel that you'll ever wear so uh 
I, I really enjoy um, my hoodie. I've already ordered my basketball hoodie. Um, it's yeah, it, it's basketball season now. So get 20% off your first purchase with Mason Brew at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right. So uh, moving on with all the news that we've missed in the last two and a half, three weeks here. Um, Don Brown is gone and there are reports, though not yet confirmed, there's been a hire at defensive coordinator. Uh, likely we won't hear about this till the end of the NFL playoffs, but do you want to kind of talk about the uh, the guy that it looks like is coming into Michigan? Yes, yeah, so the reports are saying that it's going to be Ravens linebackers coach Mike McDonald, a 33-year-old position coach for the Baltimore Ravens, whom by all accounts is a high riser in the ranks. I mean, he's going to get the co-sign from Jim's brother John in Baltimore, went to college at Georgia, worked there for a while. He's been, I believe, the linebackers coach with Baltimore for the last three seasons and has worked with players such as Patrick Queen and seen top-tier defenses rise. They just held Derrick Henry, I believe, 40 yards in their playoff win last week. So the little sample size we know of him, the little bit we do know about him, seems great, super young, and seems like he's going to bring a lot of energy to Ann Arbor if the reports are true. If the reports are true, like I said, we probably won't know till after the playoffs, after uh, Baltimore's eliminated, but there's enough smoke around this to think that there is fire. It's hard to really say what to think about this guy because he's never coached a defense on his own. You know, he's been the linebackers coach. He's been a position coach. He was a, a collegiate grad assistant at Georgia, like you mentioned, but that was the last time he was in the college game. So what this clearly is, is Jim and John communicating like, Hey, this guy's going to get picked up somewhere. This is a guy that everybody's high on. I'm going to lose him anyway. You should probably go grab him. I've really filled a lot of that dialogue in there, but that's, it's likely there's some, some nepotism and cronyism going on here with the fact that uh, he, he works under John Harbaugh. Clearly he knows everything there is to know about this guy. must be comfortable with him. He's my age and I'm out doing podcasts and he's about to coach a, you know, a big 10 defense. So, I mean, that is really young. That's Sean McVay young, Joe Brady young, but I, I, I would love that. I think that the, the, um, influx of young guys on the staff could do wonders for recruiting and could do wonders just for the culture just do wonders for the energy on the sidelines i mean that needs a huge boost as we saw last year so this could this could be a great step in in that regard absolutely and dude nobody's joe brady young that guy's still only 31 like it just makes no sense like he's aging backwards um the the mike mcdonald move it, I mean, there's a little, you know, some cronyism there with the brothers, but, you know, if he's going to co-sign them, and obviously the linebackers with Baltimore are playing exceptionally well. I mean, they, it's not like it's just like some bad guy he wants to hire. He knows the defense has to turn around, so why not bring in this guy? Why not make the move that Ed Orgeron made when he brought in Joe Brady from the Saints? Hey, there's this up-and-coming guy. You need to get him. He's going to be somebody. It's like, all right, great. Let's see what he's got. Who knows what he can do for recruiting? We'll see, but we're just, Assume he's going to bring great energy to the program if he does, and it's it's kind of nice that I don't really know what his whole scheme is going to look like or anything like that. So you know, it's kind of exciting. It is exciting, but I'll match your optimism with a little skepticism in the sense that there was Marcus Freeman, the Cincinnati defensive coordinator, out there with a proven track record as a coordinator, a former player, um, still also very young that you could have gotten. Notre Dame went and got him. That was our guy. We were on him early. Uh, I mean, that was an early pod, you know, when Don Brown first started uh, to really show his true colors. We were on that guy. 
and Notre Dame saw fit to go grab him and Notre Dame knows what they're doing. So it'll be interesting to watch both of those guys and, and how they go. Um, Derek Mason also got scooped up. So there were other names out there that were way more proven. So to go get a guy that really no one was talking about, you kind of got to hope you get this right. Like, I mean, it's a bit of a gamble, I'd say. It's it's a, it's legit the Joe Brady move of defense in football. You're bringing a young guy in with like no like you know play calling or maybe like you know scheme experience and seeing what he can do. So I mean, there has to be a hell of a cosign from John Harbaugh in this. Yeah, I would agree. And uh, you brought up a great example the the guy Staley. That's the defensive coordinator for the Rams right now. Never played. Um, is just kind of like an analyst that has a brilliant football mind, and he's young. And and McVay caught on to that. It elevated him all the way to defensive coordinator. And I mean, look what the Rams are doing. Granted, they have, you know, a cyborg and Aaron Donald, but yeah, they have the best overall defense in football, though. It's just like, oh, okay. So you can take people like this. It's just a new generation of coaches. These young, super methodical guys can come in here and implement their schemes. And if you got enough energy and charisma, it works. Yeah. So we'll see if that does end up being the guy. And I am very interested to see what kind of scheme he wants to bring. And can he recruit? He's certainly young enough. He's like a decade older than the guys he's going to be recruiting. So um, it'll be interesting. He will have um, some returning pieces, though, some other news and, uh, you know, some known departures thus far. Aiden Hutchinson, big bad Aiden Hutchinson and Brad Hawkins both will be returning next year. Uh, to the 2021 iteration of Michigan football, both uh, big, big, big returns for Michigan. Yeah, Aiden Hutchinson is massive, obviously. We thought he would come back because the way his season ended, the way he feels about the university and everything else. So glad to see him returning. Brad Hawkins also coming back, who had kind of a rough season. Like We were really high on him coming into the year, but he struggled. So it'll be interesting to see what these guys do in a new scheme. And... I mean, I really hope we can get the best of Aiden Hutchinson. I always feel like we've gotten to about 70% of his true potential. Yes, and that's where um, the new, whoever it is, if it does end up being McDonald or whomever, they've got to get the best out of this talent because both these guys are as good as we thought they were. This was just a year from hell. And yeah. Brad Hawkins didn't do well. Aiden Hutchinson did okay when he was in there. Then he went out early with an injury. Quiddy Pay had moments, but that's about it. No one lived up to their potential this year. So you've got to get the most out of your talent because you have a ton of it. Um, not as much on defense as there is on offense, but still there are guys out there. And uh, Hutchinson will be a big part of whatever Michigan is defensively next year, as will Hawkins, Vincent Gray. Uh, Cam McGrone, however, will not be a part of that equation. He is taking his talents to the NFL after another really subpar year, but I, I don't know. How do you feel about that move? And do you think it's the right move for Hutchinson and Hawkins? It's absolutely the right move for Hutchinson and Hawkins. And getting those guys on board with the new coordinator will be the biggest thing about getting new players to buy into the coordinator and what, you know, buy and what he's selling. Uh, Cameron Grown leaving uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. It's like, I don't know. Enjoy the fourth round. <laughs> I don't know what you did this season to boost your stock. You're still a little small. I feel like you've regressed. Uh, since last season. So I, I don't know. I thought Cameron Grown really could have benefited from another year of just being the guy and really taking it to the next level because everybody can come back under COVID rules anyway. So why not come back even when you have normal eligibility, boost your stock and go up to a first or second rounder? Like Michigan's known to produce linebackers. I mean, hell, Kalik Hudson and Jordan Glasgow are playing on Sundays. I, I just don't understand this move. 
Yeah, the more I thought about it, the more I kind of got it. He right now actually has a higher grade than Nico Collins or Ambry Thomas because he did play this year, so there is film on him. He's going to test well at the Combine if he gets an invite, which I expect him to. And, I mean, I think he's going to run like a 4-5-4 four, four or something like that. And it's not a great draft, especially on defense. There's not really a ton because, I mean, there's so few games, so many people sat out. A lot of people are coming back for extra years to get some more playing time. So I think he could theoretically go third round, even though he had a rough year. And my other part of this is that linebackers and running backs should probably go if you have a third round grade or above, because you take a lot of hits. Your careers tend not to last as long. I mean, those are high impact positions at college and at the NFL level. So for his body, I mean, he he played it. He did what he could this year on a really bad defense. Um, I get why you wouldn't be talked in, especially not knowing at the time who the coach would be, who your defensive coordinator would be. You knew it wouldn't be the same guy. You know, a lot of guys are leaving. I get why he's going, but I also get what you're saying and that he probably with a good year under a more competent coordinator could have really worked himself up in the draft. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But what's more important is if you're better at football and <laughs> you get more experience next year and you take those steps. And I don't, it's really interesting now that potentially an NFL linebackers coach could be Michigan's defensive coordinator and what that would do for Cam McGrone. Like learning from this guy, the guy who literally knows how to get it done, who coached that position, who knows what's required. So I don't know. I don't see him going any earlier than the fourth round. I'm sure he'll test well. His tape this past season was awful. Not great tape. You don't want to go on <laughs> this tape. None of our linebackers had a good year. Um, a lot of that's going to go on the, the defensive coordinator. I'm sure Don Brown's going to really get crapped on in a lot of these discussions when people are talking them into in themselves into Cam McGrone. But he could still be a great player. We saw the the flash, but really he flashed his like first couple games and has been on a steady decline since like his first seven games. You want to talk about bad tape, Jared? Do you want to talk about the number one ranked kicker? God. <laughs> so right now, this was at like when I wrote this this document, which was two weeks ago, the number one ranked kicker going into this draft is none other than Quinn Nordeen. And if that's the best that we got for kickers to offer to the NFL, they might want to take a year off or maybe go hire my 11-year-old nephew who's playing dope soccer right now in Wasian. This is a joke. Like, just listen to our podcast. Anybody, please. Like, how is Quinn Nordine the number one ranked kicker in this class? Is awful. I've never felt less confident in any kicker at any level than Quinn Nordine. Like, I don't know if he's going to knock this in from 60 or if he's going to miss it by 60. Yeah, <laughs> equal chance. And on Bovada, the odds will be exactly split. They're like, well, this is either going to be good from 71 yards or it's going to kill a cheerleader. <laughs> he also might miss a kick and then cuss somebody out for screwing up his next kick that he couldn't miss. Look, like that was when he lost us. Like we were willing to come back on board. But when he cussed out his teammates saying, do your effing job and then missed that extra. Oh, no, he missed a, like a, a chip shot field goal against Rutgers, wasn't it? He, he, he had already missed one, and then he missed another in overtime. In overtime, yeah, and it wasn't like – it wasn't one of the 60-yard bombs. It was like a 30-yarder. It's like a 32-yard yeah. kick, which should be automatic for a Big Ten kicker. Yeah, this guy has 57-yard range to his name, but is not, like, trusted to make an extra point. 
if that's the best we got, good luck, NFL. And he does have a, a freaking cannon for a leg. There's no denying that. But I would not want to trot him out there if I needed a field goal to go up in a playoff game. As we said before many times, he can kick it to Canada. He just can't pick the province. If your team drafts him in the NFL, my prayers are with you for you and your blood pressure because you are going to vehemently be mad at him in his first season. I can just guarantee it. You will throw something. Yeah, he'll go to, like, Green Bay, and he'll call out Aaron Rodgers on the first practice. Like, why don't you do your job, Aaron Rodgers? Like, really, bro? Yeah, yeah. Like, Mason Crosby's old and stupid. Like, I should be kicking these games. Like, what are, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why? Who, whom are you? But um, <laughs> one one more point before we move on from the, uh, the guys that have declared thus far is that I found – the thing I found the most interesting about some of these projections is that neither Ambry Thomas nor Nico Collins were in the top 150 prospects from, I think it was pro football focus that I'm getting this from and Cam McGrone somehow was. So, I mean, based on that, I really think it ended up being a mistake for Nico and Ambry to sit out because while they were good prospects, they were kind of fringe prospects that really could have used more tape. And apparently even if you have bad tape, like it's still helpful to have tape. Yeah, they weren't Micah Parsons and Jamar Chase opting to sit out. Like no one is going to forget about them. They have amazing tape and a pedigree behind them. But Nico Collins and Ambry Thomas both could have benefited from this season. Like even if they're out there not having the best game or in a bad system, you're out there. You're still in the consciousness. And I think to your point, a lot of people just kind of forgot. Yeah, and it's early in this process. Let's see how this looks in March. Um, they might start to rise, and especially when you get the combine. And um, I don't know if they're eligible for the Senior Bowl or if they're going to do that or not. Um, I know we got a couple guys going, Nordine being one of them. So um, I don't know how many opportunities they're going to have to showcase their skills. So hopefully it didn't hurt them because, um, man, we could have used them this year, no doubt. Um, but, you know, it's hard to say. Maybe they made yeah. the right call because what a disaster of a year. <laughs> so Yeah, and the Combine's not even guaranteed this year. They still haven't decided if they're going to have it or not. Right, exactly. So you might end up falling because people just forget, and there's quite a few good receivers in particular. So uh, before we go to break, real quick and switch to basketball, Ohio State gets uh, gets absolutely fetty whopped by Alabama. Um, obviously, you don't want to root for Ohio State in any circumstance, but was this just kind of like uh, – I don't know, putting a Band-Aid on a gushing heart wound? No, this is 2021 coming up all Andy and Jared, baby. That's what this is. We did our time, and we bled through last year. This is our time this year. The villains are being punished. Michigan basketball is rolling. Life is better. I love your enthusiasm and your ability to turn abject horror into optimism. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's uh, it, it's a really great thing. I will say before we go to break, I'm getting real sick of the most predictable sport being the sport that we cover in depth. And um, something tells me you're going to see Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and then maybe Georgia, Notre Dame, or Oklahoma in the playoffs again next year. So it would be, I mean, obviously it'd be great to get Michigan there, but it'd also be lovely to get some parity. I think if the ball was just spotted correctly in 16, Michigan could have been there. Don't, don't, don't. Just... All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, <laughs> we're really going to lift your spirits because Michigan basketball is absolutely rolling right now. We're going to dedicate the entire second half of this podcast to catching you up on what's going on there, our thoughts and feelings on this team and how far they can possibly go. All that and more right after this.
All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are switching gears. We are moving over to basketball. I hope you don't mind because things are looking up in Ann Arbor for the Michigan basketball team. Uh, this is a team right now that is absolutely rolling. And if you're looking, you know, you're a Michigan fan, you've been down on your luck, this is where you should find your optimism, your hope, and your excitement for the coming months. It's because Michigan's a basketball school now. Everything is great. Like, 2021's coming up, all us, all maize and blue. And the last three performances especially are indicative of that. Last time we spoke, we were coming into the Nebraska game. Um, which we won 80 to 69. And the last time we spoke, actually, I think Michigan was ranked number 19. And everyone was so hesitant to move them up because they haven't played anyone and they struggled against Oakland. But you and I, and granted, you know, we're, we're Michigan guys. We cover Michigan. So naturally, we're going to be higher on them than the national media. But we were like angry at the lack of national love because we saw it early on. We're like, yo, I mean, we already knew this was going to be an offensive team that could score with anyone. They're starting to get better defensively, and you're getting contributions from guys like Sean Day Brown. Oh, and you also might have the best freshman in the country in Hunter Dickinson, or at least the guy in the conversation. So this was weeks ago when they were ranked number 19. We were saying this is a top 10 team. There's no denying that now, and now everyone is taking notice. Yeah, they finally are because the way this Michigan team plays is just so balanced. Everywhere, like the offense will go off. Any given player can like rule the night. It doesn't have to be just one contribution from Isaiah Livers or Hunter Dickinson. The defensive tenacity, just the ruthless aggression these kids are playing with on both ends of the court, especially defensively, they want to beat you, but they don't want to just beat you. They want to blow you out. They want to embarrass your family for having known you being blown out this bad. That's what this team does, and I can't get enough of it. They want your girlfriend to leave you and your professors to fail you. Yeah, they want to take your girlfriend and your girlfriend's mom and your mom, okay? <laughs> That's just where they're at. But, yeah, since we've last spoke, they've been on an absolute tear. We spoke about the Nebraska win, beat Northwestern, um, beat Maryland as well. in there. Or no, the Maryland game was postponed, was it not? Uh, that New Year's Eve? Oh, no, the Penn State game Penn was State postponed. Penn State was postponed. Me. Maryland was just the one that I missed because it was New Year's Eve, and I – was quite drunk by about 5 p.m., so you'll have to forgive me for that. Good American. Yeah, I'm just an American doing what Americans do. So, um, <laughs> And then uh, after that, you get the, the run that's been discussed now, the first team in college basketball history to beat three ranked opponents by 19-plus. So if you weren't paying attention before, you are now. Kind of let's start with the Minnesota game. We won't go too deep into it. Broom and all those guys have been doing a great job covering this while we've been slacking off. Um, but that's really where you started to see this team explode. It's just, it quickly became, this was a big showcase game for Hunter Dickinson going up against some big bodies at Minnesota, some experienced players there with a lot of ex like work in the post and Hunter Dickinson just goes off for, was it 28 in this game? I think he went, uh, yeah, we got it right here. 28 and eight in that game, his career high against a, uh, at the time, number 16th ranked Minnesota team and um hunter dickinson they ran the offense through him in that game i mean he was a guy that i believe he's left-handed and yeah he's left-handed but started to show that he can go to his right and is becoming just one of the more potent offensive weapons in college basketball and he showed it in minnesota 28 points for a freshman is i mean you you, you gotta you gotta take note of that when you look through the box score yeah and the efficiency is what stood out to me he was 12 of 16 from the field Four or four from the free throw stripe, 
just the points were coming for him in bunches, but it was just like they weren't being forced. It was just going in the flow of the offense. Everything worked through him, and he took it when it was there, and when it wasn't, he just passed the ball around. So while we're on the subject, we'll talk about Hunter Dickinson, who's been Michigan's best player overall, although I said at the beginning it was Franz Wagner. A lot of other people say it's Isaiah Livers. You know what? I'm happy if we're all right. So I'm not going to sit here and argue about that. But Dickinson's numbers are going to be tough to argue against. Um, So he's won Big Ten Freshman of the Week. I believe it's five weeks in a row now. And the Big Ten Freshman of the Year is all but locked up, especially when you look at last year's winner, um, Illinois' Kofi Cockburn, who went for 13, 8.8, and 1.4 blocks, shot 53.2% effective field goal percentage last year. As of the time I posted this, his numbers are now up to about 17 points per game, 8.4 rebounds, 1.7 blocks, and 70% effective field goal percentage. So that just goes to show you that this isn't just the best player in the Big Ten. This is one of the best players, the best freshman the Big Ten's seen in a long time. Yeah, Hunt Dick is no Cockburn. So, (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunate last name for Cockburn, but Hunt Dick is strong. The big Dickinson energy hoodies that are going around right now, I need one. We have to get some of those. Maybe our friends from home field here can help us out with those. So, no, it has been awesome. And to your point, you picked Franz Wagner to be the best player at the beginning of the season. He has come on strong the last five or six games. And just his development within the offense and just overall game has really contributed to this Michigan run. I still stick with my my claim that he is the best player on the team. He's definitely the best NBA prospect, but what he's been doing on defense has stood out to me the most. And uh, if there was obviously a, a way for this team to improve, it was on defense. Offensively, this is, I mean, nobody would deny this is one of the, I mean, when Mike Smith is your fifth option and Sean Day Brown is your sixth, or it, it's probably fifth and sixth, Mike Smith is your fourth and Sean Day is your fifth. Um, but it, it, the development of Franz Wagner is what really is starting to, to push this team towards a defensive identity. They're all buying in. And this dude, he, what was it? Five blocks against, I think it was Minnesota was the game that he had. No, he had two blocks against Minnesota, but I mean, the blocks and the steals keep coming up in every single game, the defensive efficiency, their ability to guard the perimeter, which starts with Franz Wagner and now is starting to reverberate through this whole team. I mean, the length and uh, yeah, I mean, it, pick a guy and you can just glow about what they've done over the last couple of games. But Franz Wagner, to me, has been the catalyst for what they've become on defense. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And what epitomizes this Michigan team is what happened against Wisconsin. Up 30 points, still chasing down players for blocks. Like, they're just unrelenting tenacity in this game. They just want to pummel opponents. Winning is not enough. They don't play down to the level of their competition. They want to eviscerate opponents. And they're making a statement week in and week out. I I had no idea a Michigan basketball team can play this way. Just this ruthless. No, and you know it kind of goes into what we were talking earlier about with the culture. And I saw it more so, I mean, you started to see it against Minnesota, but last night against Wisconsin, I saw a culture and a team that was just different than what you're used to seeing at Michigan. They're jumping around. They're cheering on defensive possessions. They're, they're absolutely going nuts when guys get steals, when they get blocks, when, you know, when they block out, when there's just a quality all around defensive rotation, the guys are going nuts. And then, you know, they start to blow the doors off Wisconsin and Jace Howard's fainting and they're lifting each other up and it's bench mob. I mean, this is, this is an exciting team. It's a team that's got a mix of veterans and young guys, 
It's a team that loves their head coach and is coached by a guy that knows how to get the most out of each and every guy. Um, man, there were so many questions about Jawan Howard, but he just answers them week in and week out. I'm the, I'm more excited about this basketball team than I think I've ever been about a Michigan basketball team. Yeah, this brings back to me just the excitement level of obviously like the NCAA tournament runs, the Big Ten run when the team, you know, is playing in practice jerseys from getting off the plane and everything that happened there that year. But just regular season-wise, I've never been more excited about a Michigan team. The way they just play on both sides of the ball, it's like a childlike energy. Like they're so happy to be out there playing with each other. And they let each other know it, and they're succeeding together. Like it's just like it feels like just like pure joy to watch them play because they're having so much fun on the court. It sounds like a corny cheese like cheese ass answer, but it's like that's the truth. Yeah, that's a great point. The energy that they're displaying, and maybe it's us coming off of this Michigan football season where guys just had absolutely no energy on the sideline, and they came out and barely wanted to touch the banner, and are you know checking their Facebook status as they're on their way out of the tunnel that seeing this Michigan basketball team perform the way they do and rally around each other like they do, it's, uh, I, I don't know, it's been great to watch, and I'm all on board. I mean, you and, you and I are all about bringing fun to the sport whenever you can, so this team has been a godsend. Talent helps, but when you have this kind of culture, it just makes everything ten times better. Everybody is bought in. Last season around this time, Michigan basketball was struggling a little bit. You know, going up and down, going through the midseason, you know, Big Ten schedule. And they learned a lot from that. They didn't have the end-of-season tournaments, so they didn't get that experience together. Probably spent all offseason doing what they can, but COVID restrictions are applied. So to come out here and play like this is just unbelievable. And I think it's so nice because we had such, I mean, just moderate expectations for this season. Like, oh, they could be okay, do different things. You know, it'll take them a year. We have a good recruiting class next season. But what they're doing and how they've bought into each other, man, it is awesome to watch. Yeah, it feels like we were down on them when we said uh, we think Sweet 16 or Elite 8 are in play for this team, but no further. Uh, now, I mean, obviously, national championship discussions are not unwarranted, and I don't, you know, I don't necessarily want that spotlight shining on the program. It's better to stay under the radar, but you're not going to stay under the radar when you're defeating the number nine team in the country, you know, and you're going on a 41-6 to run. I've never seen that in basketball. No. Or maybe once I've seen a run like that. Not not in college or the NBA for context. Like it's just it is so rare and unprecedented. Right now in college basketball, it feels like it's Michigan, Gonzaga, and Baylor, and then there's everybody else. There's everybody else, but we're gonna get to see Iowa here soon, and that's a game that I mean Garza versus Hunt Dick, baby. Uh, <laughs> eyes of the nation are going to be on that. But here's the thing we showed against Wisconsin. We can win when Hunter Dickinson is off. Yep. Yep. We've got guys that, I mean, if, if Wagner and livers are hitting shots and then you've got Mike Smith, who also, I love that he got a little more confident with his shot in that last game because the dude's a flamethrower. If you looked at what he did, uh, I believe at Columbia, right? That's where he's yeah, from. 26 a game. Yeah, he he's a spark plug. Yeah, he was an absolute spark plug there, and uh, Sean Day Brown as well. So, I mean, offensively, Hunter Dickinson doesn't have to be the dude every night. Um, it's going to be tough for him defensively against Garza. I'm going to tell you that right now. Though. Yeah, 100%. And Michigan's not going to go undefeated. I don't want that this team to have that pressure. They're going to drop a Big Ten road game here or there, and it's, it's fine. You're going to learn from that, and you're going to be better. But enjoy this team, man, because they're special. And watching Dickinson as a freshman go up against the veteran Garza is going to be so much fun to watch. 
Yes, absolutely. When is that game? Do you want to do a quick oh, Google I'll pull search it up, yeah. while, yeah. I, while I bring up the next point here? Yeah, I, I agree with your point there as well. Don't expect this team to go undefeated. That doesn't really happen. And if it does happen, the eyes of the nation are going to be on them every night. And this is a young team. Your number one player, according to some people and according to statistics, is an 18-year-old, you know? It's Hunter Dickinson, who's like a shy, shy young guy, still figuring it out, getting better defensively but still definitely figuring it out in that realm. But offensively, like already just a tough, tough ask for for college kids to deal with. And I I will say that in the college game, centers can really dominate. And I mean, that's why you see guys like Tyler Hansbro be the best player in the country and go to the NBA and kind of disappear. It's it's a little bit different game there. Um, So that kind of leading into my point that we might get Hunter Dickinson back next year. But yeah, enjoy this team because Wagner and Livers are probably gone. Yeah, 100%. And Michigan plays Iowa second to last game of the season on March 4th. March 4th. That is a long wait for that game. I mean, there'll be tests. Michigan State's going to play us tough even though that team looks – I mean, they look they look a little worn down. Um, <laughs> but they still are, they're still Michigan State. They're still going to get up for that game. Rutgers still has some absolute flamethrowers. I mean, the Big Ten, top to bottom, yeah. is the strongest league in, in basketball. Most people would agree with that. So, I mean, yeah, you've got to be on it every night. And you don't want to get too cocky because you've, you know, now the, the eyes of the nation are on you with that three-game stretch setting record like that. Exactly. Next up, Michigan has, since Penn State was canceled, you have Minnesota again coming up on Saturday. And then you got Maryland, Purdue, Indiana to close out the month of January. Very interesting. Still, yeah. I mean, you'd like to see Illinois and um, and Iowa. I, I can't wait for those games. And we could still drop one of those games. I mean, none of those are gimme. No, you get uh, in in February. It gets tough. It goes Northwestern three days rest, Michigan State uh, five days, Illinois three days, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's a stretch right there. So there'll be a game. I mean, but if you go out of that run with two losses, three losses, even, yeah. I mean, some of the best teams in the country already have two or three losses. I think I was got two right I now. I believe so. Yeah, I was already got two losses. So, I mean, you're ahead of the curve here going into a, a tough stretch, but you've now shown like you're definitely one of the best teams in the country and you've got length on the perimeter so we, we we've already discussed that what what i want to discuss now is how wrong were we about our sweet 16 prediction should we really up the ante here on our end final four prediction it's a it's a final four team anything can happen at that weekend but this team is good enough to be in the final four i think anything less than the elite eight is disappointing it's better than some of the other teams we've had that have gone yeah. you know, to the final four. I mean, this is a better overall team when I look at it top to bottom. Um, I would say the 2014 team, hopefully I'm getting that correct, uh, being the best one, uh, the national championship uh, 13, team. With 13. Her, 13. Okay. Yep. 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 It was the 13, but they were playing and yeah, got yep. you. No, you're right. The 13 team with Burke, Hardaway, Glenn Robinson, I think Stauskas, that's probably the standard. And then the next one went with kind of a, an under, you know, they, they really overperformed the Jordan pool shot against Houston, that team. Yeah. 18. Yeah. The 18 team, which top to bottom is nowhere near as, as strong as this team looks to be on paper. So 
yeah, there's absolutely reason to be excited and think Final Four is in our future or could be part of that future. I mean, as you said, anything happens in the tournament. Yeah, and this team is equipped to do that and go on a deep run because of the balance of scoring, the tenacity they play with defensively, and just how they can do that over a weekend. It's really hard to prepare for Michigan in two nights. I'm just saying, this team's going to bring it every night that way. And if you're playing on a Thursday and you're coming back on a Saturday, Michigan's style doesn't really change too much with opponent. They're still going to play hard defense and spread the ball. And look at what they were doing against Hunter Dickinson. Wisconsin was doubling him as soon as he got the ball. Didn't want the offense to run through him, but he's smart enough to know to pass out of that already. Yeah. And that's where his game could really go to the next level. I don't see him being like a Bam Adebayo or that cat from USC Mobley that he's some elite shot blocker and rim protector. But if he can learn to pass out of those double teams and be like an offensive weapon that can also pass out and get you eight, nine, ten rebounds a game. I mean, this dude, this dude could be one of the best we've seen at Michigan. Yeah. A hundred percent, man. Nobody saw this coming either. We weren't even really talking about Dickinson except for as role player. Was he a four star? Uh, yeah, he was, a, I believe, a high four star. Um, I don't want to say his recruiting ranking because I'll probably be off by like 20 or 30. But I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like top 20 or anything like that. Um, he was kind of lower in the top 150, but a, a high four star guy. And he now, according to the recent, um, and I think this was today, it came out, the Wooden Rankins, he's like third behind like Garza and one other guy for Wooden Player of the Year. Like, so he was a guy that wasn't even discussed for Player of the Year, and now he's on like the Wooden Watch list. That's unbelievable. Yeah, he was a four-star, 43rd nationally at 7'2", 255. Oh my God, I was gonna say like like 42, 43. Yeah. I wish I would have just gone with my yeah, guy. I totally forgot he was 7'2". For whatever reason, I thought he was 6'11". Oh, my God. Well, to be fair, they are giving these kids some inches out there. They they said Sean Day Brown's 6'5". I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure Sean Day Brown is not 6'5". Yeah, this is on his 247 when they're saying 7'2". So, I don't know. Maybe he's at least 7'1". Like, <laughs> I, th- I mean, he's over 7 foot. We can say that confidently. So, he's a 7-footer with touch around the rim that is learning the game. He's, you know, expedited his growth. Do you think he will go this year? I mean, to the NBA then? I think it depends how far Michigan goes. If Michigan wins a title, wins a natty, or goes to the Final Four, absolutely. If they go to the Final Four, he's gone. If he's our leading scorer on a Final Four run and he's averaging 22-10 and four assists. Yeah, you've done your part, kid. Yeah, people are going to think Nikola Jokic and they're going to they're going to grab him. But as of right now, he's not being talked about that way. And Franz Wagner's only being talked about as a second rounder. And I'm like, look, I'm a Pistons fan. If we could grab Franz Wagner in the second round, that is a steal. That is an NBA rotational player. I see it clearly. I saw it last year. People are still adapting to the young college basketball season. You give them time. Everyone's going to be talking about certain Michigan players come March and April. They list him at 6'10", and once again, they're giving him an inch probably. He's probably 6'9", but he's 6'9", and he can move like that around the perimeter yeah. and guard every every position except maybe, you know, the five or the one, depending on who your one is. Yeah, so I, it makes no sense that he's so undervalued right now. It's just his positional versatility and modern fit for the NBA just makes no sense to me. Right, and I mean, he hasn't had a 30-point game because he doesn't need to. Look at the Wisconsin box score. They spread it around. They don't care. They're unselfish. They want to get each other involved. They thrive off their uh, the other guys performing well. like, And that's what a good team should do. But if you don't see it, I mean, nobody saw it when they were 19th and you barely beating Oakland, and we were saying, I'm telling you, this is a good team. 
I'm telling you right now, Franz Wagner is a rotational NBA player. Don't worry. So is Livers for that matter. Yeah, Livers has been outstanding. Just the way, man, he's just so unselfish and does a lot. He can impact the game in so many ways that doesn't involve scoring, which I love. Just a very malleable skill set to help everybody else out. And don't worry about Franz, man. His He's going to have a big game. So I'm talking like plus 25 and a big win. Yeah, he will. I mean, look at the steals already and the way he's impacting just the box score. And then you actually watch the game and it goes beyond the box score when you're like, oh, man, this guy, nobody's getting a shot. And uh, I believe it was the game where they had to go up against uh, Nance's kid, Pete Nance Jr. So that was Northwestern. Um, So they put him on the center and he was guarding the center and he made his life miserable. He was guarding the five. And his energy, because he is so long, he can guard certain fives. I yeah, man, I I love Franz. He's my he's my favorite defensive player on this team just because of that versatility. But everything he's bringing to the table, man, that's going to be a huge piece moving forward. Absolutely, brother. All right, so we are we are winding down here. Um, I've got a few more random questions for you. How do you see the Michigan football staff shaking out with the remaining positions? Uh, we don't know about Zordich yet, but it sounds like he's out. But other than that, how do you see the uh, the position coaching staff being filled I out? I think Zordich is out. I think Nua will be out. And I think the youth movement's going to continue. Can't just throw out a name, but I believe some big young guys moving up the ranks or guys looking to prove themselves at the big school are going to be coming to Michigan. And honestly, I don't know if it'll be filled out until after McDonald, if he becomes Michigan's DC, is hired, and he has some guys in mind that he'll bring with him. 100%. You got to wait to see if that is your guy yep. who he wants to bring. Uh, I agree with you. I think there's going to be more changes on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, wasn't Nua officially released, or am I making that I up? I don't, I haven't seen that yet. I may have missed it. I just, I can't believe that he'd be back. <laughs> I can't imagine bringing Sean Nua back, and I loved him as a guy. I really wanted him to be a coach that worked out there, but yeah, results-wise. And I agree with you. uh, And what about quarterback coach? Does he bring one in, or does Harbaugh himself mentor the quarterbacks this year? That would be interesting. Um, Harbaugh is a quarterback coach with the Raiders when Rich Gannon won MVP. So, I mean, the guy can get it done. So I don't know, man. I I wouldn't you know mind either way. Maybe being a quarterback's coach, he's a little more engaged. Not as much as administrator as a coach, you know, just being the manager of a bunch of people. He's really locked back in with the guy, seeing the game, talking it with him more. So I don't know. I'm for both. I can see both options, depending if you bring somebody proven in. But if he wants to get back involved again and really put his nose in it, I'm here for it. I think I actually would prefer that yeah. because of what you just said. And you just convinced me with, with your little uh, description there because <laughs> he does need to get back involved. He needs to be a, a focal point of the offense. I mean, that was who he was when he was hired here. And it seems like he kind of maybe got beat down by the fact that their offense was labeled as, you know, antiquated and they needed to adapt and he brought in Josh Gaddis and he had to make all these changes. So I'd like to see him get back involved and, you know, be, be engaged with the offense again. I think that'd probably be best for him, be best for the team. I think so too. And just as like I said, getting, getting Harbaugh back involved, getting that competition back up, getting everybody just on the same page about where you want to be, just bring some of that basketball relentlessness to the football team. We're cooking. Just give Jawan Howard emergency powers over the university. I'm fine with that. I'll call him Julius or Caesar, whatever you want me to call you. Yeah, I don't care. What do you want me to do? Sacrifice a goat to you? I will. <laughs> Sacrifice a child? Okay, don't look. 
We want. <laughs> Bring us back to prominence. Oh, sweet Juwan. <laughs> Ian Bunting, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Andy's going to try and sacrifice you. Pretty sure Ian Bunting's like 6'10". He would oh, dude, you. Ian Bunting would rip my arms off of my body and beat me with them. Yeah, yeah. You're, I mean, we always hope he doesn't hear these podcasts. Even Quinn or Dean, I mean, could probably, if he connected with a kick, separate our hips from our bodies. Dude, if, if, honestly, I'm giving us 30% chance against Nordine. 30 to 70. Like, Against Ian Bunting, no, not a chance, maybe 1%. But yeah, Nordine, we at least got a shot. Oh, yeah, we got a shot against Nordine just because he's such a whiny little kid. Yeah, like, I, I don't know that that dude could handle himself in a fight, but Ian Bunting is six. Nice self-censorship so. with kid there. I see you, professional. Yeah, always a professional. <laughs> fighting kid Nordine and dodging his kicks. <laughs> like he's Jean-Claude Van Damme. But we've just gone off the rails now. <laughs> well, we always do at that's the end a fair of these point. things. That, that, that's how it's set up. But look, if Quinn Nordine is drafted in the top five rounds, I'm going to absolutely lose my mind. I'm going to write letters. I'm, I'm going to start practicing kicking and put videos on YouTube. That's what I'm screaming. Just be like, no, I cannot hit a 65-yarder, but I can hit a 32-yarder without killing the gaffer over there on the side. Like, trying to just make a living for his family over there. <laughs> So I just got to keep all the officials alive during the game. I'm not going to cuss out my teammates. Like, I'm just going to send them video of that one kick. I forget what game it was, but Clat was calling it, and Clat just laughed and said it was the worst kick he's ever seen I, in college football. I, dude, I you remember the kick, right, where it went like 60. I mean, it was a bullet shot directly right. <laughs> I think it was – It was. there's one. It was either Penn State or Wisconsin, and he just drills it like – Almost into the side of the stadium. Like, how does one do that? Right. Like, I've shanked some golf balls in my <laughs> day, and I've seen some crazy angles coming off of that club. But I was like, at what angle do you have to kick that? Like, an onside kick doesn't have that, like, left-to-right movement. Yeah, Joe, I remember the class just laughing. Like, oh, man. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, number one kicker in the draft. Good luck. That's the number one kicker in the draft. We rode with him for years, and his best moment came as a freshman. <laughs> Whatever, but anyway, it was good to uh, it was good to to yam it up with you again, brother. It's been a minute. Yeah, man, it's good to be back. We'll be back again next week. Talk some more Michigan basketball. I'm sure Michigan football news will be coming. Maybe the Ravens will lose, and we'll you know move on with the future of uh, defensive coordinator McDonald. We'll see. Yeah. So does that mean Michigan fans should be rooting against Baltimore for the sake of news? Uh, no, because we want this guy to just win the Super Bowl with a dominant defense and then come to Michigan. <laughs> That's true. We want like Patrick Queen to somehow win them the Super Bowl. Yeah, we'll, and then, yeah. yeah. just co-sign him over. Like Patrick, this is the best guy I've ever worked with. Okay, done. Well, thank you, Patrick. All right. Yeah, good point. Good point. So, all right, we're back now. Uh, took some time off, but we will be back with you week in and week out as news comes in. And honestly, we're not that far from spring camp. It's strange with how this year unfolded, but it's it's not the distant future. No, twenty twenty one coming up, all maize and blue. That's what I'm screaming, baby. We'll we'll follow basketball in the meantime, but uh, make sure that you like, share, subscribe, uh, follow us wherever you get your podcast. Maybe that's Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, wherever. Follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue.